0: the big bets on campus podcast podcast Podcast. all right here we go
1: the
0: fight in the dog. What's up, Degenerate Nation? Welcome to the Big Bets on Campus podcast presented by BetMGM. This is the week seven college football betting preview. I'm Stucky and joining me, as always, is Colin Wilson. Oh, baby, we got a good one. I've been counting down the hours until noon Eastern on Saturday, 11 a.m. your time. What did you call it? It's Separation Saturday.
1: It's Separation Saturday. We've got so many top 25 matchups. And I don't know, I feel like we've been struggling for a big time upset the last couple of weeks. We had a crazy, what, week two, I think when I was in Vegas. But uh, this one is shaping up. I mean, at least five teams are going to lose in the top 25. I mean, it's it's completely Separation Saturday. We're in prime football season.
0: Yeah. All top 10 teams won last week that were in action. I don't think that's necessarily going to be the case this week. And, yeah, this is the most top 25 matchups of undefeated teams since 1993. If you have plans, cancel them. If you can't, reach out to me. I'll get you a doctor's note to get (laughs) out of whatever you need to get out of. We have a lot to get to today. We'll get to, I think, 20 – to I think maybe 22, 23 games and. Uh, hopefully, under an hour and a half. We'll, of course, cover the four marquee games that pit top 25 teams against each other. We'll cover, you know, four or five more really other intriguing matchups in the rundown. I'll take out the trash. I got my UMass football shirt on. Little teaser for that segment Colin, you get the week off of the San Diego State handicap. No totals there. Sad for our caller who. Called in on the voicemails early in the week. Who was looking forward to that. Yeah. And we'll go three and out. We'll uh, give our favorite favorites, underdogs, favorite bets. Yeah, we got a lot to get to. But first, I do want to remind all of our listeners, it's uh, baseball season. That means Action Network's baseball betting podcast, Payoff Pitch. We'll have new playoff best bet episodes basically every weekday through the World Series. So if you want to bet some playoff baseball, check out the Payoff Pitch podcast presented by our friends at BetMGM. All those guys do a wonderful job.
1: The hyperbole is done. Now we can finally play the game.
0: Okay, let's start before we get into Saturday. We do have a Friday night. Now, look, we're recording this on Thursday night. The football gods are going to make us get through some bad football to get to Saturday. We have Commanders, Bears, NFL game. And then Friday night, it is not the most appetizing college football slate we will see all year. So we'll go through these very, very briefly. Navy at SMU, SMU is a 12 and a half point favorite here. Over has taken some money, I think up to like 57. This is such an intriguing game to me for one reason. These are polar opposites. So Navy wants to run the ball. Obviously, triple option team. They run it as much as anyone in the country. SMU wants to throw the ball. Well, what can Navy do? Navy can defend the run. They can't defend the pass. Navy's defense is yeah 131st EPA per pass on defense. SMU on the other hand, they can't defend the run. They are 117th EPA per run. So what gives? Very difficult game to handicap. It probably you know both offenses should have success moving the ball. You know so it would lead me to look maybe at the over, but that's such a high total for a Navy game. Could come down to just like one or two possessions where Navy drives up the field. Over the course of like six or seven minutes, do they end up like turning it over on downs? Do they get a touchdown? That's basically what I think will decide this game because both offenses who are polar opposites have advantages in this game. Probably a stay away for me. And you see anything in this game?
1: I want the over in this game pretty bad. Navy is on a short week after beating Tulsa. SMU has extra days rest after a UCF beatdown. So you would think that that would lean into smu and playing on that you know it's a number where i project it right at where the market is right now at 12 the problem with smu and what's funny is is everybody like freaks out about what navy did to tulsa we spelled it out on bboc live on saturday nobody else talked about this except us tulsa came out and said we can't build a scout team for navy we don't know how to fill the run of the fullback position we don't know how to replicate what they do at quarterback well, what happens this week? Defensive coordinator for SMU, Scott Simons, comes out and says we're having a hard time replicating what it is they do from the fullback position. I would be nervous backing SMU here considering the fact that I'm hearing the same things from the defensive coordinator that they're just not getting there at the point of attack against the ground. I like the over because you have to ask, can Navy defend the pass? No, no. they can't. They're 110th in defensive passing success rate, 112th in coverage. So I want the over is it 57 the two biggest key numbers in this range 55 59 if i had to bet it like if kickoff was in 30 minutes i'd bet over 57 now but there's no reason i'll wait and see if it floats towards either number and make a decision
0: i might also look potentially for like a live over if navy has like a long drive to start the game they they kick a field goal or something where they turn over on downs boom right into range under that 55 key number yes you can put your mind The other game on Friday night, nah, oh boy, this one is uh, this one is gross. Uh, UTSA at FIU. You UTSA is, what are they, 33 and a half point favorite the last I saw? Yeah, 33 and a half point favorite, over under 63 and a half. This is 80 Eastern on CBS Sports Network. Oh, man, uh, one of the ugliest Friday night games of the year. FIU is bad, 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 bad. bad. Uh, I still don't know what their floor is. They just got demolished by uconn these two teams both want to play fast which is why the the over is probably taking money utsa should score at will i mean fiu has really nothing to write home about they do have a bunch of injuries these two two defenses basically play the same exact scheme so each offense has some familiarity with the other defense the problem for fiu they have a couple injuries most notably they have like one good player i would say and that's their receiver chambers who's like their entire offense he's a game time decision. Uh, like didn't practice yesterday. He's like, in order for them to stay in this game, like he's going to have to have like three or four. If he doesn't play, I, I don't know. This is, this game is impossible to handicap. I have nothing here. And I hope I don't even accidentally put this on my TV. at Any point, <laughs> anything from you? I, uh, I'm
1: questioning whether I'm going to have it on TV. Uh, Cause you know, baseball has been hot. I have to watch any gooses. It might be any geese might be landing in the outfield. So, you know, I, I mean, I project this thirty-two and a half and fifty-seven and a half on the total, so the market's pretty neutral on the side. But the under was taking some money once it got to sixty-four. Now that it's got down to sixty-two and a half, we're starting to see some over money. So there's kind of a battle going on uh,
0: with sixty-two and sixty-five being who's who wants the battle in this game? Worst battle of all time? Uh, I don't know, but yeah, I mean, money's money. But oof. it is an overlooked spot for
1: UTSA. They got North Texas next week, being two and both of them are two and zero. Uh, So really, you want to be the leader in the clubhouse in the Conference USA, then the big game is next week. And Frank Harris has set passing records two weeks in a row. Now he gets an FIUD that's dead last and passing downs explosiveness. And that just means, you know, that's the calling card for UTSA. They get to third and 13 and boom, there's a touchdown. So uh, there's a reason to think that UTSA is going to roll and going to score points. But it is a look ahead spot. So does that mean Jeff Trailer wants to ground and pound this? Western Kentucky put up 478. So if Frank Wilson wants to keep breaking school records, throwing in the air. He's going to be able to do this here. So I kind of sided with the UTSA first half, number that opened like 18 and a half. It's up to 20 and a half. It's teetering on 21 because if Jeff Trailer wants to call off the dogs in the second half because they got North Texas next week, maybe that's the play. But now weather's involved. 60% chance of precipitation coming in during the game, which Sets me back and says, maybe this is ground and pound from UTSA all the way. I don't want to be swallowing spreads that large. This is a second half underspot, like all the way, right? Like UTSA yeah. is going to call off the dogs and Florida international is, is completely inept on all the offensive side of the ball. You want to throw mother nature into it. This is a second half underplay all the way.
0: Yeah, I could see that. All right. Enough of the Friday stink. Before we get to the four marquee games, let's start with a quick little look ahead or look away segment. Hangovers, sleepers and the dreaded sandwich spot. Is it time to look ahead or look away? Uh, We're going to look at a pair of the potentially the best situational spots on the card. Let's let's start with, I think, the most obvious one, and that's Iowa State was catching 17. That number's come down to 15 and a half at Texas. Iowa State's 0-3 in conference play. They've had three close losses. They're going to Texas. Texas fresh off a of 49-0 bludgeoning of Oklahoma. Guess who they have on deck? Oklahoma State. So this scream sandwich. Sandwiches. Sandwiches.
1: Sandwiches. Sandwiches.
0: Sandwiches. Here's the thing. I I took the 17 with Iowa State. It's obviously a great spot, and it's very – the Iowa State offense has been disappointing, but it is very difficult to blow out and get margin on this Iowa State team. Always has been, always will be. Since Matt Campbell's – after Matt Campbell's first season in 2016, he has never lost a game by more than 17 points. Never. The only one that he's lost by 17 came in the 2020 season opener against Louisiana. When they had a kick return and a punt return for a touchdown, they won by 17. The only other time since 2017 that they lost by more than 10 was by 14 back in 2018 to Texas. Matt Campbell is 30 and 17, 64% against the spread as an underdog, covering by five points per game. More importantly, he's 17 and 4, 81% against the spread when catching at least a touchdown, including. 14 and one. 14 and one against the spread when catching over a touchdown against the conference opponent. So the, given the spot, given Iowa State's defense, and Iowa State there's one three straight in the series, their defense has given Texas some problems in the past. Texas did just see a similar scheme last week, which maybe helps them out here. But I think with the spot over two touchdowns a bit too much. Don't mind the under as well. Uh, do you agree?
1: I like the over because you mentioned that they just saw this defense last week. And for Quinn Ewers to have experience against that is going to help them out here. I think Texas is going to be able to score points. Uh, but at the same time, I completely agree with you and Matt Campbell. This 10-9 game against Kansas State, just so many things had to happen to make this score so ugly. And then you look at Texas's defense, you know, blanking out the Sooners. And you can understand why this number opened up at 55 and a half on the total and it just raced all the way down finally caught some really strong resistance at 48, a number that I want to bet the over on. Uh, I know 48 and a half is out there as you and I are recording this, but 48, the play that I want to make is on the over. And, and, you know, a a big issue last week was finishing drives, uh, you know, against Kansas State, just 10 points and four trips past the 40-yard line. Texas is 20th in defensive finishing and offensive finishing drives, which means I think when they get their scoring opportunities, they're going to be able to put the ball away, uh, whether that's Quinn Ewer's Uh, you know, finding somebody in the air, but I think more more than likely it's going to be John Robinson uh, running his way. And I think another thing about Texas, the number's too high, right? It should be 13. It shouldn't be up around 16 and a half, but Iowa State's 130th in special teams, SP plus. And when you dig into that, it's punt efficiency. Like they're God awful in punt efficiency, which means Texas is going to have extremely good uh, starting field position all the time. So there are a number of reasons that I think that there's going to be some points up on the board. The extremes of Texas putting up a goose egg against Oklahoma combined with Iowa State playing a 19-point game has really deflated a number that I, I think should be around 57. So give me the over in this one, and you're right. I, I think Iowa State's going to come to play. Uh, I You can count them in for a couple touchdowns on the board, and that's going to help get
0: over a 48. Yep. All right, let's move on to the other situational spot I had circled here, and that's Kentucky home pup plus four and a half this one i think almost touched seven maybe a juice seven and then came down after news broke that will levis was practicing boot was off for kentucky so i would expect him to play last week obviously a disastrous result with their backup quarterback against south carolina at home so you have kentucky coming off back-to-back losses including a bad loss at home against south carolina meanwhile mississippi state coming off that win against arkansas guess who they have on deck alabama so, uh, you know, a trip to Lexington obviously screams potential flat spot for whatever it's worth. Since 2014, these teams play every year. The home team is uh, a perfect 8-0 against the spread in this series, covering by 15 points per game. When I look at Mississippi State, I love Will Rogers. I love this team. I love Leach. But it, I think that there's some value in Kentucky with the spread, assuming that Levis plays. You know, because if you look back at that Texas A&M, there's the Texas A&M and the Arkansas results, They won the turnover battle six to one and Arkansas turned the ball over like three times inside the 20 on downs, you know, and even with a backup quarterback, Arkansas moved the ball all day. And how they did it was a lot on the ground. And that's been a a weakness of Mississippi state this year It's a run D. So the question is, is this the, the chance for Kentucky's rush offense, which has been bad. Their offensive line has been bad, but you got Rodriguez back. He's had a few games under his belt. Is this, you know, the opportunity for for Kentucky um, to get their run game going. And that's basically how everything flows from there against a Mississippi State defense that ranks outside the top 80 in EPA per rush. You know, and Kentucky's run defense has been worse than its pass defense in some sense this year. That's not a big deal against the air raid. So, uh, you know, as much as I like Mississippi State, Kentucky at plus four and a half here, I think that there's some value on the home cats. Do you agree?
1: 100 percent. I absolutely they're not my underdog pick of the week, but I think that they can win this game. And I'm pretty sure they're going to be on our show on BBOC on Saturday. I mean, the weakness of this Mississippi State defense is they have no pass rush. Uh, They are playing top 35 in coverage, but they're getting dominated up front and, and on the ground. And you mentioned it with Malik Hornsby for Arkansas. Arkansas should have had no business being in that game whatsoever. And they had a chance to cover. Uh, And, you know, it was actually a really pathetic performance by Arkansas, and and Mississippi State couldn't do anything to stop them. You kind of pivot back to the last time Mississippi State went on the road, not good against LSU. They had less than 300 total yards on offense. LSU scored a touchdown on nearly every single opportunity when they got drives past the 40-yard line. Uh, It was Mississippi State's worst offensive day from a success rate standpoint. Uh, And, you know, you look at Kentucky. They're a top 15 team in defensive success rate they don't allow teams to get a lot of first downs and that is great fundamentals are top 20 in tackling and finishing drives they're really good at stopping teams and getting them behind schedule but they have like moments of you know allowing a chunk play to break off and, may- and maybe possibly be a score well the good news is Mississippi State doesn't do that on offense they're non explosive offense whatsoever so i believe Kentucky's defense they should force a lot of 3 and outs against the bulldogs so you know, that ship has sailed. That ship has left the port when it comes to me hoping that Will Levis is going to run the ball. Chris Rodriguez is back. The the running game is at least better than what we saw a few weeks ago. So Kentucky's going to have some success here. Mississippi State is dreadful on the road. and They got tore up on the ground last week. So, yeah, Kentucky can win this game.
0: All right, time to move on to the marquee games of the day. And there are a lot. It's another fabulous weekend of college football. Let's check out the marquee matchups we'll all end up betting for week seven. We're going to kick things off at noon with the, I think this is the Fox game, noon Eastern, Penn State at Michigan. Penn State 5-0, Michigan 6-0, and both teams ranked inside the top 10. Michigan six and a half, seven point favorite here over under 50 51. Uh, I'll, you know, I'll give my... Handicap, I don't have the strongest feel for this game, but my one take, and I, I played this over fifty one small. My one take, and it's it's partly guesswork, is that the Michigan defense is not is not as good as it was last year because of the lack of edge rush. You know, they lost two star edge rushers to the NFL. And their defensive metrics are I mean, look, they all look excellent, but they've played Hawaii, Colorado State the Iowa, and Indiana. Are you you can't get worse than that as from an, a group of opponents from an offensive standpoint. The only team that they played with an offensive pulse was Maryland, who put up 400 yards, moved the ball, put up 27 points. And from what I saw in that game, that's just one data point. The other data points I'm basically throwing out. So I think that Penn State will have success moving the ball. Now, the same thing, I could say the same thing about the Penn State team. I mean, like, you know, they played Ohio, uh, a down Auburn team, Central Michigan, Northwestern, and a monsoon. The one game that did play, Purdue, early in the year, they put up 31 points. I'm still worried about this Penn State front seven. I think Michigan will have success running the ball. I think this is a big step up in class for Penn State. I also think Penn State's going to play fast. And their offensive numbers might be a bit deflated because they've been trying to get, you know, freshmen worked in to build depth. So yeah, I don't love either side. Hopefully you can guide us in that direction, but I did play the over part guesswork. It's just like we're not go. We don't have a lot of data points here for what Penn State and Michigan have done so far this year against inferior competition. But uh, I I think at 51, it's a play. I think the total should be closer to 55. What do you see here in uh, Wolverines, Nittany Lions? I make the total you know higher than that I make the total sixty so I, I would agree on an
1: over here, but I am have strong convictions about Michigan here and and I'm pretty deep into them uh can we pa- let's can we pause for a
0: uh bodog gym clip thank you Don't gamble, don't associate with gamblers avoid it like the the plague
1: let's check in with Bodog Jim. <laughs> Well, he may not like gamblers, but he's going to make me some coin this weekend. I don't think Penn State is near as good as what everybody else thinks. So we'll start off with the Penn State offensive line where they're outside the top 50 in pass blocking. And that means there's going to be plenty of pressure on Sean Clifford. Yes, the Michigan defensive line is not what it was last year, but they're going to get pressure on Clifford. And if you look at Clifford's numbers. His big time throw rate has been chopped in half from what he had last year. All of that comes from pressure. He whatever Mike juricic did to him last year, it's gone. And but he does have a ton more pressure, and that's caused a lot, you know a lot of turnover worthy plays. And you know I mentioned that his big time throw rate has been cut in half this year. He has not had a big time throw against Michigan the last two years that these teams have played. So it doesn't matter if it's Jesse Minter. It doesn't matter if it's you know it doesn't matter who the defensive coordinator is that they're pulling from the Ravens. Uh, They have had the number of Sean Clifford. When you look at the Michigan D, there is a huge fundamental difference between Penn State and Michigan. Michigan is number one in the nation in tackling. Penn State's not going to be able to have explosive plays because they're going to get stopped in one-on-one tackles. Uh, And that is something Michigan excels in. So Penn State may have some success with Nick Singleton, I mean, five yards after contact. But all of those runs, I mean, you go deep into what Penn State's doing on offense, None of that is between the tackles. It's all bounced out on the outside, which plays into the strength of Michigan and what they've been able to do with tackling with guys in their secondary. So, you know, we'll see how that lines up. Now, the Penn State defense, they're legit against the pass. Stucky mentioned their resume of who they've played against. But, I mean, it is impressive. 11.2 pass breakups per game. I mean, that is a record-breaking pace. And think about this that is double the pass breakups per game than 120 other teams in college football. That is amazing. So uh, when you look at it that way, JJ McCarthy and Blake Corum, uh, this just going to be a running show and they're going to be popping it outside the tackles away from PJ Lucifer. So specifically when you start looking at the edge positions for Penn state and specifically when you look at a couple of their safeties, some of the worst tackling grades in all of FBS for starters and power five um, It is a night and day difference about what they are uh, what Michigan and Penn State are doing on the defensive side of the ball with tackling and just, you know, against a run defense. Michigan has heavy, heavy, heavy favorites and just not just analytics, but tackling. And I think Michigan's going to be able to roll here. Penn State's defense is going to get a, a reality check, especially on the ground. You know, the one thing is JJ McCarthy. I hope he doesn't fumble. You can't really predict that. Uh, that is one fly in the ointment here, but everything lines up schematically for Michigan to just run over Penn State outside of the tackles.
0: There's a, Michigan also probably hasn't been showing much. Same with Penn State, um, which might work into yeah. in favor of the over. Like I'm, they, they, they haven't had to show much on offense at all.
1: Donovan Edwards, right? He was one of my long shot Heisman's from the summer because the guy cannot just catch passes sixty yards down the field. He's not just a great running back. He can also throw touchdown passes. He was injured for a few games. We have not even seen the tip of the iceberg when it comes to Donovan Edwards. All of that might have been held back for this game.
0: Yep. All right, so there it is. A look at the over and the home favorite. Obviously, shop around to see if you can get uh, under the key number of seven. All right, let's move on to the next game, where I think we're going to disagree. Alabama at Tennessee. Let's see the updated line here. This is the 330 Eastern CBS game, one of the most hyped games uh, of the season so far. And I'm sure it's going to be one of the most watched and bet. Alabama seven, seven and a half point favorite over under 65 and a half. This, uh, there's a lot of questions with who's going to play in this game. First of all, so like, is Bryce Young going to play? Uh, Cedric Tillman is one of the best receivers in the country. Is he going to play for Tennessee? You have Tennessee's safety who was arrested. Eichel said they're still looking into it and gathering facts. You have their one of their offensive linemen as well, so there's a lot of uncertainty, which is why, like you know, you see this line like pop seven and a half and seven, and I think there's like some wait and see. Uh, I took the seven and a half because if Bryce if Bryce Young doesn't play, I think Tennessee wins this game. So, and if he if Bryce Young does play, I make the line like seven. So I'm fine with taking the hook with that uncertainty, and if Tillman comes back. Tennessee, look, and from an adjusted net EPA per play perspective this year, adjusted for competition, Tennessee's been better overall. But now, look, you have Alabama against – they played a bunch of – they played a really bad teams. And then the two data points that we have is, like, they beat Texas by one, but yours was shredding them. You know, they, they played Texas a but they didn't have Bryce Young in there, so their offense looked completely different. But I was really disappointed in how their secondary looked again. So they have really young corners – I think Hooker is going to be able to move the ball through the air, especially if Tillman is in there. He can create even more mismatches for the other receivers who have played well in his absence, but Tillman is just uh, a different talent; probably a first round draft pick. The other side of the ball, look, the Tennessee run defense is excellent, really good across the board in every metric. Their secondary stinks. So Bryce Young plays. I still have some questions about the explosiveness of the Alabama offense, but – they're going to score price young plays and is healthy. They're going to score and they're going to be able to throw it easily on Tennessee. I just think Tennessee can catch up. I just took the seven and a half of the team I'm higher on than a lot in the market with the uncertainty at quarterback. But even if young plays at seven, I still have some questions about this Alabama secondary and uh, we'll see what Tennessee can do in their secondary in order to just get a, a stop here or there. But curious to see how you see this playing out, because I think you're, your role tied in this weekend
1: yeah not a big bet just a one unit bet on alabama at seven i wouldn't bet it at seven and a half and it was a really tough bet to make because for me this is a very cut and dry handicap if bryce young is playing you want to be on alabama minus seven if jalen milro is playing you want to be under 66 it's that easy right because tennessee is a great rush defense uh they they would be able to stop jalen milro in his zone zone read they would dare him to throw after five turnover-worthy plays against Texas A&M last week. Uh, they would they would happily invite Jalen Milrow to throw, uh, but then again, if Bryce Young is in there, uh, you know this number I don't think is going to stick at seven, right? Because a lot of people are out there asking, like, well, if Bryce Young is out of this game, is it going to go down even further? Well, you have to ask yourself if he does play this game and the number sticks at seven, is that right? The answer is no. Tennessee is not you take out home field advantage tennessee is not within four points of a power rating of tennessee this thing is telling me that Jalen Milroe is going to play so i bought the alabama minus seven now Jalen Milroe is announced you know to be playing i can't see this thing going past six and a half uh, i can't I, there's just going to be too many people out there betting on alabama to keep that number propped up but i just don't see it moving that much if bryce young is out so from a market perspective you know, that's what I'm seeing. Like this number already tells me that it's Jalen Milrow time, although that's not definitive because Nick Saban won't give anybody any information and nobody knows what Bryce Young's passing. So don't ask.
0: There is no more. I know you would like to some
1: kind of way extract something out of this pipe that's not there. It's not there. You all speculate and create things and then you want people to respond to it. Stuggy's right. The Alabama, you know, core of wide receivers – The only one that's been explosive this year is Ja'Cory Brooks, at least from a yards per route run perspective. And Tennessee's secondary is atrocious. I mean, they're terrible, but at the same time, you know, how how are they going to get exposed by it? You know, the key stat for me is Tennessee allows more first downs through the air on defense than almost any other team in the nation. You can move the chains all day through the air. But how's Alabama going to do that? Are they going to do that with Jalen Milrow? I don't think so. Will they do it with Bryce Young? Yeah, they will. So – I like Alabama at seven. It's not a love. It's not a heavy bet. Um, I'm expecting Bryce Young to play. If he doesn't, then, you know, uh, the number will trickle down a little bit. I can get out of it live, but I will definitely be playing under if Jalen Milroe is indeed the starter.
0: Yeah. I mean, Alabama's past defense numbers look good and they're covered, but they played Utah state, UL Monroe and Vandy, they, you know, you're going to win by a hundred in all those games and that's half their games. But, you know, if you look at the Texas game, yours was picking them apart. Card was efficient. And then he even got banged up. KJ Jefferson had some success. The one that scares me a lot is the fact that Haynes King was 25 of 45, 255 yards, two touchdowns and a pick. Like in like this, the ultra- revenge spot. Haynes King the week before against Mississippi state was six of 13 for 40 yards and two picks against app state. He was 13 of 20 for 90 yards, no touchdowns. I mean, I don't know how he was moving the ball through the air against Alabama and Hendon hooker is astronomically better than Haynes King. And then we, you know, Quinn Ewers was just dealing dimes and hookers capable of doing that. So I do have some concerns about the Alabama secondary. Um,
1: James so- King was doing the uh, three-step drop and then throwing off of his back foot the entire day.
0: Like It still works. I mean, how you, it, he, but you've known I've been on high on Tennessee since the start of the year. So this is the – I think it's just the- – I'm not sitting here saying Tennessee is
1: trash. Their secondary is trash. Bottom 10 in coverage grading, and that's with two max schools and a backup quarterback at Pitt. So it's just the fact that no one's been able to expose that.
0: Rocky Top, play the music. Wish that I was on old Rocky Top down in the Tennessee Hills. Ain't no smoggy smoke on Rocky Top. Ain't no telephone bill. All right, let's move on to the next game. Oklahoma State at TCU. TCU is up to a that three and a half, four-point favorite here. Over under 68 and a half. I think we talked about this over early in the week. Uh both defense both offenses have major advantages here oklahoma state's obviously a speed racer um i've talked about oklahoma state i think they're a fraud they're a good team they're not a top 10 team if you look back to last weekend playing a kid making his first start on the road oklahoma state by net success rate luckiest win of the week last week um just got out gained by about 120 yards even with the kid getting hurt so they've been Quite fortunate this year against a pretty poor schedule. And if you look at who they've played and then you look at their defensive metrics, especially in the secondary, it's pretty ugly. And TCU has as good of a receiving core as you'll see in the big 12. Uh, Some of those catches last weekend against Kansas were insane. Duggan has been awesome. He can use his legs here to evade some, some pressure also some designed runs, because that's really what, what bit uh, – who's our boy, Baron Baron Morton. He was slinging and just shredding. First career start, freshman, shredding this Oklahoma State defense. And then what, what ended up being his downfall is he hurt his leg, and then he couldn't – they were just bringing pressure, and then he couldn't get out of the way. Duggan will obviously be able to do that. So Oklahoma State also came out of that game much more banged up last week than TCU did after the Kansas game. So, you know, but I also am worried about the TCU defense. The TCU defense, especially in the back end, and Spencer Sanders is playing well. TCU defense has not been great. Um, but ultimately, I think the TCU offense will have – but will have more success than Oklahoma State and win this game. Would have loved a three or under a three. It will be in my round robin. I will be on them in some form or fashion. I don't know if it's in, like, money line, money line. Probably. Also, guys, I mean, I would lean over here, too. I make it, I think, 72. This is – look, we're talking about lots of points here. There's going to be swings in this game. So, like, live betting, if you like an angle, if you want to trade this, I think it's probably a great game to do so. But uh, I think the Horned Frogs get it done. I'll be on them in some form or fashion, pregame and live. This Oklahoma State defense got exposed last week, but they got away with it. It's about to get really exposed this week, and they're not going to get away with it. What do you say?
1: Yeah, I mean, I have the same sentiment as you. This is the live trading game of the day. I was ready to fire on Oklahoma State plus four. Uh, The market got hit once it got there pretty fast. So, again, that's the number I'm looking for with all intentions of coming back and firing on TCU uh, at Moneyline or a plus number when this game is actually being played. I make the game TCU minus two, so I think it is a little bit too much. And if you look at Oklahoma State, yeah, I mean, they have some holes and they got away with, (laughs) you know, they've survived to be undefeated at this point, but they're actually top 10 in Havoc and they're fourth in line yards right now, which means they might have the best chance at at least putting a speed bump in the road of what's going on on the ground. Now, the coverage has not been great. Max Duggan's going to go to the air and he's going to have tons. They're giving up
0: a ton of explosive plays, Yeah,
1: a ton of explosive plays, but the Oklahoma State defense is second in the nation in stuff rate. So I'm not saying you're going to be able to stop, you know, Amari Demercado or you're going to be able to stop Kendra Miller or Max Duggan on the ground. But at the same time, this will be the stiffest test from a ground perspective that TCU has had to face. So, yeah, there's going to be a lot of stuff going through the air. And then, again, Oklahoma State's offensive line, they've failed to protect Spencer Sanders. And the good news for the Pokes is that TCU, they just they don't have any pass rush. So, yes, this is going to go back and forth all day. I'll take Oklahoma State if I can grab a four pregame, but I am
0: I am definitely gonna play both sides of this live betting game of the day. Oklahoma State Twitter. I know you're gonna be coming after me if Oklahoma State wins this game. Uh so be ready. Get 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 those drinks in. I'll see it. 330 on ABC. Oh, up right up against Tennessee, Alabama. Oh, baby, what a day. Uh, what a day. All right, let's move on to the fourth marquee game of the day. Let's talk a little Pac-12, USC at Utah. Utah's a three-and-a-half-point favorite here, over under 64-and-a-half. I'm going to see if you can talk me out of, I'm starting to lean USC. I know, oh it's gosh. criminal. Look, you're the one who got me on the scent. You had USC last week. Um, so, <laughs> I, look, Utah has issues. Their defense is just very worrisome. They're rundy specifically, which is one of the reasons why we were both on Utah, excuse me, UCLA last week. And, you know, I I look back at their, you know, go back to the Florida game. Run defense wasn't great there. And I've talked about this incessantly in the past. Everything with the Lincoln-Riley offense starts with the rushing attack. And if they can get that going, then I think it's going to open up the rest of the offense. Clark Phillips can only cover so many guys, that explosive offense. And the other side of the ball, USC's defense is trending up. Like, am I starting to believe in the USC defense? They Their pass defense is good. They can get pressure. Their run defense is still really bad. So is that. And, and look, US, Utah's now down their two arguably best weapons that they were throwing to last year. They lost one to the NFL. One got hurt and is now out for the year. So, you know, I, I think that can Utah just line up? Are they going to line up and run the ball? And now, now and they, they could move the ball on the ground. Utah, USC's run defense is weak, but catching three and a half, is starting to look appealing here the two things that get me a couple things like usc in that true road game at oregon state the offense did not look anywhere close to as it's looked the rest of the year and this is going to be even a crazier environment this is one of the best home fields in the entire country wild things happen you're such a hard place to win it's a great spot also you're coming off a blowout loss usc is undefeated um so all of these things and then then and then you have the this looming monster, you know, in a weird place, in a great spot, and then there's this looming turnover regression monster, this cloud. So in the weird place in a great spot, it means USC is going to turn the ball over seven times. Seven fumbles returned for touchdowns by Clark Phillips. By the way, a guy for Toledo last week, a, a cornerback had four picks in the first seven drives, returned two for a touchdown. The same guy. That could happen with Clark Phillips here if this turnover regression monster hits. So, yeah, I'm starting to lean towards USC, but you can tell I'm scared. So pull me back and and make your case for your beloved youths, because I know your, your one-week affair fading them is over. You're back home and uh, safe with your wife and uh, in the comforts of where you belong and are comfortable.
1: Yeah, my wife Utah and I are going to roll this week. No, when I say roll, it's like I, I make the game four and a half, right? I would certainly spend a lot less on four, less on three and a half. At three, I'm buying three minus one twenty. I'm buying at three minus one ten. I'm probably looking for a money line at minus one forty five or better. I'm looking for money lines under one forty five. Uh, I'm looking for minus threes no greater than one fifteen or one twenty. So, you know, with all that, would said, you try to wait because this, this total is high? Would you yeah, wait live would. or do you think Utah's going to jump out? Well, okay, so. I think what people need to understand is that limits get raised, you know, depending on the book, 10,000, 100,000 on Friday, like the limits are just as high as they're going to be. And you're going to see public money on USC happens every week, right? That's what's going to get you a better line on Utah. So if you're listening to this, one of those people that gets it like midnight on Thursday night, wait, if you're listening to this on Friday morning, wait, right? Because I think a better Utah number is going to come. There is some strong, strong similarities between Oregon State and Utah. Wins last time USC went on the road. They struggled against Oregon State. That game looks way worse now because Oregon State has looked (laughs) horrendous since. Right. What does Oregon State do? They run the ball at elite level. They tear you up in between the tackles and they run the ball. That is exactly what Utah wants to do here, especially with a healthy Tavion Thomas who looks like a man possessed. Uh, You know, he couldn't carry the entire team last week against UCLA in a loss. But there are a lot of similarities between Utah and Oregon State. They both want to have a methodical approach, run the ball, dominate in standard downs, and keep the chains going. Evidence, Utah is 14th in standard down success rate. They want to run the ball all the time with Tavian Thomas, who is fully healthy. You look at USC, why did they get pushed around by Oregon State? Because they're 112th in defensive standard down success rate. That's all the Beavers did over and over is run the ball up and down the field with great success. They had sustained drives. Listen, if we make a bet on Utah... And Cam Rising has eight drives that all get into the red zone, uh, you know, and and burned like six minutes off the clock, and then he throws an interception. Fine, we lose, right, because of turnovers. And that's been USC's thing the entire year. But there are so many similarities between what Utah wants to do here, how they handle themselves in standard downs, and the fact that they don't commit turnovers on offense. And USC just crumbled at Reser Stadium in front of 25,000 people. I said this the other day on the new BCS research stadiums like under construction only you only saw the half of the field that had the fans in it the other half completely silent <laughs> no one was talking this is rice eccles and if you have never been keeping up with rice eccles they had a construction project like two years ago like they added 10 20,000 fans in the top this place is going to be rocking i mean literally rocking and it, it's going to be i think too much for usc signals are not going to go through for caleb williams this is going to be utah's best effort of the year last week could not have set this game up any more perfect. To me, it's a gift for the number that we're getting. I think some USC public money is coming in on Friday. Utah is going to capitalize on their scoring opportunities, and unlike Oregon State, they will not take themselves out of drives.
0: All right, I think you may have convinced me. You brought me back into the house. Pray for any uh, Tito's near Colin during <laughs> that time. If uh, Utah fumbles the opening kick. We're drinking. Pray for any Tito's. I've got two handles over here. I got two handles over here at the bar. They're ready to go. All right. Before we continue, as a reminder, the Big Bets on Campus podcast is proudly presented by BetMGM. So kick off the new pro football season with the king of sports books. Sign up with BetMGM using bonus code ACTION200, and your first wager is risk free up to $1,000. Visit betmgm.com for terms and conditions. Arizona, Colorado, Illinois, Indiana. DC, Kansas, Louisiana, Nevada, Wyoming, or Virginia, 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan, 1-800-GAMBLER in Indiana, Maryland, New Jersey, or West Virginia. 1 800 bets off in Iowa, 1 800 981 0023 in Puerto Rico. Call 8778 HOPE NY or text HOPE NY in New York. Call or text the Tennessee Red Line at 800 889 9789 or 1 888 777 9696 in Mississippi. In Ontario, if you have questions or concerns about your gambling or someone close to you, please contact Connects Ontario at 1-866-531-2600 to speak to an advisor free of charge. Sports betting is void in Georgia, Hawaii, Ohio, and Utah, and other states were prohibited. Promotional offers not available in Nevada and New York. Uh, all right, let's move on to the rundown. Let's cover a couple other games. Really, you know, some interesting games that we didn't get to in the marquee games. Minnesota, 4-1 and one at Illinois. Illinois, 5-1 and one, and ranked 24th in the country. We talked about this earlier in the week. On the new BCS episode, uh, if you haven't tuned into that every Tuesday, myself, Pone, and Brett McMurphy kind of shoot the shit in college football and talk some betting stuff as well. We talked about how Illinois, I mean, they haven't played anybody, but they're like second in the country in defensive success rate. And their, their yeah. defensive numbers are all legit, but you know, take it with a grain of salt. This total is 39 and a half. Minnesota gets their star back, Ibrahim back, their star running back, who returns from injury. Illinois has a bunch of injuries worth noting. Mainly quarterback Tommy DeVito, who I would guess doesn't play. It's what I'm hearing, but it's not confirmed. And he's not great, but he's a lot better than Art Sitkowski. This game – and look, Minnesota's a snail. I don't know. This this might play out – I don't know. I mean, this could play out like Illinois-Iowa if DeVito is out. You're just going to have Illinois trying to run the ball, leading on its defense. Minnesota is a complete snail, uh, but uh, it's a low number. There's not a lot of margin at 39 and a half, but that would be my first inclination. But there's definitely a lot of uncertainty on the injury front here. This game's at noon Eastern in Champaign. What do you see here?
1: Yeah, I took an over on this. The number is just too low. I mean, it's a number I projected 50. I, there is. <laughs> A lot of reason to believe these numbers you see from Illinois are a little bit fraud uh, considering the schedule of offenses that they've gone up against. I mean, give them credit for winning games at this point. And I've already been torn up on the voicemails for fading these guys. I am playing the over. I would play it. Uh, 38's great. Uh, 41 is pretty key. So I would try to get it before that. So over is going to be the play because I do not believe what Illinois has done on defense. Uh, and then if you look at you know Chase Brown, they're going to be able to run the ball a little bit against a Minnesota defense at 60th and line yards, So there's going to be some scoring here. <laughs> we're getting different bits of information. This is being recorded on a Thursday afternoon. Brett Bielema just addressed the media a couple hours ago, said Tommy DeVito has not been ruled out. What are you talking about? It's like still up in the air. What Bielema is saying in practice is the complete opposite of what we're hearing. So I am not going to be a part of this side. So I will take the over. If Tommy DeVito plays it should be three and a half. If not, you know, Sikowski, is it three points or should it be more? I don't know. We, we've, been, we've been through a lot of Sikowski struggles in our
0: life. So I would need seven to back Illinois if it's Sikowski. I'll tell you that. Yep. All right. Next game, another top 20 matchup between NC State, five and one NC State travel up to the Carrier Dome, trying to avoid some voodoo up there. At Syracuse, Syracuse five and oh, ranked 18th, Syracuse three and a half point favorite here, over under down to 41 and a half. I played this under 44, was shocked it was at 44. Still like it at 41 and a half. Still like it at 41. Uh, here's, look, De- Devin Leary is not playing for NC State. Their offense was already limited. Like, they just have no one that can get separation at receiver. And it's just a constant struggle. And now you bring in a kid, you know, a transfer that's really limited with his arm. He was at Charleston Southern, I think, like running the, the triple option at one point. Last week he came in and they just didn't. They just didn't. I don't think they attempted a pass with him. and They just ran it, ran it, and relied on their defense, which is elite. I think that's the same game plan here. Syracuse's defense has, like, if you look at the run defense numbers, there's some holes there, which would concern me if I'm a Cuse fan. But I assume that Syracuse is just going to bring everybody up into the box because they know that NC State can't throw. They'll be able to slow down a very limited NC State offense. And NC State offense, that looked limited with Leary. Now you're going to big drop off at quarterback. And then on the flip side, Syracuse offense, you know, it's looked good this year. You know, and the new offensive coordinator has done some great things. Traders made some strides throwing the ball. Tucker's an excellent running back. But, you know, if you look at when they played Purdue, they had 18 points until late. And they got a couple of late scores. They got 22 against Virginia. This is by far. By far the best defense they will face all year. So um, yeah, I think it's gonna be a struggle for the Syracuse offense. I think NC State's goal here is to just try to turn this into what we saw last week after Leary went down. Steal steal it with their special teams, win this game like mm, twenty to seventeen if they can. I think that's the range for either team where this ends um so yeah I like the under I think it should keep going down
1: yeah I mean the Tony Gibson defense has not failed uh NC State yet this year Uh, you know seventh in line yards fifth in defensive passing success rate they're going to give Syracuse everything that they can I'm really interested what's going on with this spread because I adjusted for Devin Leary being out I made this game a pick SP plus which you know whatever does not account for injuries whatsoever. They'd run the numbers, number pops out. It doesn't get adjusted for injuries whatsoever. They made it four, and they made it NC State minus four. So based on that, what is Devin Leary worth? Is he worth seven points? I don't think so. I don't think he's even close. I think he's worth three. Now, Jack Chambers, this kid from Charleston Southern, right, as Stucky said, he ran the triple option. He knows how to run a ground game, which kind of negates Syracuse's home field advantage which is being loud enough to stop signals and audibles at the offensive line so that the quarterback can change, you know, reads and hot routes and everything. And that's just not going to be a factor here in this game. So I would make the argument that it's disgusting and I don't like it. And the Wolfpack offense has let me down before, but the number is just way too high. And I think we've seen that. I think this was what four, four and a half, and it's just taken nothing but money down to three and three and a half. So if you can stomach NC state, that's, you know, that's the side. Uh, I mean, I agree with you from a total perspective, but this number is so inflated on the Syracuse side. I mean, at three, maybe fine. Maybe you can argue that Devin Leary's worth six points, but at three and a half, four, no way. No, I mean, NC's, NC State still plays defense. They still play defense really well. And if NC State's going to go all ground attack on offense, it takes away the Syracuse home field advantage.
0: So Yeah, Syracuse bottom 10 uh, in rush success rate and EPA per rush on defense. Yeah, Their run defense has not been good. So that's something that NC State can lean on. And I think that they'll have success running the ball. That's one of the reasons why I like the under, too. You can't have a team that's trying to run it and then not have success doing it and then just punting it right away or they have to throw it they get down. So, yeah, three and a half, I think it's NC State or nothing. I would agree.
1: And NC State's third in defensive stuff, right? I mean, Sean Tucker's going to have a rough day here. I mean, it's not going to be easy for Syracuse's
0: offense. Yep. All right, let's move on to... Uh, let's talk to your boys here. Colin talking Arkansas. They're, your brutal schedule continues. Now you're traveling out to some altitude at BYU. BYU coming off a loss. And they're pretty thoroughly dominated by Notre Dame. One and a half point. Fa- I mean, this line's been flipping all over the place. Yeah. By the time you listening to this, I don't know who's going to be a one and a half point favorite, but that's right around where the line is. Over, under, over is taking a lot of money. 66 and a half. I don't have a great feel here, so uh, fill us in on what we should look for woo pig suey absolute dumpster fire dumpster fire
1: i don't know how we win a game the rest of the year just blow the program up give us a death sentence
0: collins talking razorback football
1: well this game is going to be a shootout because neither of these teams play any defense whatsoever byu has been pushed around by every single team they played oregon i mean i mean getting a 50 burger up on byu has not been tough 113th in defensive finishing drives, near dead last in line yards. If you can't control the rush, Arkansas can run all over you. It doesn't matter who's playing quarterback. And I expect Arkansas to move the ball just fine. Maybe they're fatigued. Jefferson's a full go, right? Jefferson's a full go. He's practicing full pads. They said that he's going to go. And so uh, what's funny is I would like to thank the odds makers for putting out an Arkansas plus three on Sunday. You know, I took that number as much as I could from a limit perspective, tweeted, and this is why you got to follow in the action app, put it out. And I said, hey, KJ Jefferson's playing this game. This shouldn't be plus three. The line flips all the way over to like Arkansas minus two and a half. And I don't know what this second move is. Like maybe it's people that got the three and wanted to play the other side. I'm not sure. I have not been able to find out the reason why BYU has taken so much money since that initial KJ Jefferson news came out Monday and it all flipped over. What I can tell you is that both of these defenses are absolutely atrocious. Arkansas, still bottom 10 in coverage. That's not good against Puka Nakua, Gunnar Romney. BYU has three explosive wide receivers and Jaron Hall to throw it to him. And Arkansas is not going to be able to do anything about it, but try to tackle him 30 yards downfield. On the other side of the ball, listen, KJ's playing. He can run them over. He can throw it downfield. I don't know if Jaden Hazelwood's playing. There's He's on the injury report. But, you know, there's just no resistance in this BYU defense whatsoever. So the question is, does Arkansas run out of gas? If you're playing this over, you have to question, like, is Arkansas going to go run heavy, and are they going to run out of gas because of the altitude? Uh, you know, Arkansas, Fayetteville sits at, I don't know, a couple thousand feet, Not nothing like <laughs> nothing like what's going on. Uh, you know, up in Provo. So uh, I do like Arkansas in this game. I took them. I would bet them again. Uh, I think it's back and forth. I think, you know, I've already said that the live trading game of the day is TCU-Oklahoma State. You're going to get the same thing here. Arkansas is not going to be able to maintain a 14-point lead, and BYU is not going to be able to maintain a 14-point lead. So
0: I would play accordingly live. Yes, sir! All right, good stuff there. And our final game of the rundown, Clemson at Florida State. Uh, I love the Knowles here. The, what are we at? Three in Florida State plus three and a half here, over under 51, 51 and a half. If Clemson wins this game convincingly, I'm in. I'll buy into them. I'll raise them a bunch of my power ratings. I still haven't done that. I still have these team two teams. like I, I have Clemson around 20th, and I have Florida State around 28th. And look, they played two common opponents. Clemson won. They played three common opponents. They both blew out BC. Clemson beat Wake in a game they should have lost. If you look at postgame win expectancy, blah, blah, blah. Florida State lost to Wake in the game. It probably should have lost. The difference came against NC State. Florida State should have beat NC State. And then you but the two other data points is like, you know, Clemson played a, a Georgia Tech Corpse early in the year, and then Furman, who moved the ball on them. And Florida State, I have two other pretty good data points. They won at Louisville, and they won basically at LSU. So I, I think their overall body of work has been a little bit stronger. I'm still really worried. And look, Clemson's going to be as healthy as they've been, apparently, all year, which is a concern on the defensive line. We'll see if Florida State has a few guys back, like Lovett, who's important in their defensive tackle. I think he might be back. We'll see on their left tackle as well. But I think Florida State has massive – they're not going to be able to run the ball – a lot here, but Jordan Travis has been great throwing it. And I think they have big advantages on the outside. I am still have major questions about this Clemson secondary. And I think that's where Florida state can attack. And I also think that they can get pressure on DJU. Um, I think that this, anything over three is Knowles for me. I think Florida state wins this game. Um, I'm excited for it. And uh, I hope Dabo goes down because I bet on the other side. disagree. (laughs) Um,
1: a few times in this podcast history, I've said I can't explain it. I don't know why, but the market is screaming one side, and almost every time I've done that on this podcast, it's been a one. It's it's been a one hundred percent winner. And I will tell you right now, the market is screaming. Florida State wins this game outright, and I can't explain it. The let me try to break it down. Like Wake Forest attack. Are you
0: betting this or no?
1: Yeah, I'm going to bet Florida State. Yeah. Uh, Wake Forest attack Welcome the- to the party. Wake Forest attacked the secondary. They were highly successful. Dabo keeps putting out a two-deep chart, and then those guys in the secondary don't even play. The one thing that is so frustrating with Florida State, I mean, it's so frustrating, and you should never base your handicaps on this, but this is just Florida State football. They're absolutely terrible in standard downs. I don't know what it is with Jordan Travis. He has to be behind schedule to make an explosive play. Florida State <laughs> is 26th in passing downs explosiveness and 35th in passing down success rate. And they're almost always in passing downs. They have a top 20 rate in being in passing downs. They're always behind schedule. They're always exploding. And if you look at Clemson's numbers, they are 79th defensively and containing the explosive pass. So you want to know what the Florida State formula is? They're going to get stuffed on first down. They're going to get stuffed on second down. And then Jordan Travis is going to do something amazing on third down. And it doesn't sound like the best handicap and not something you really want to put your money behind, but I am telling you that the market is screaming for the Seminoles, and that is exactly what's going to happen in this game. I don't want to go against Clemson. I've been tooting their horn. I, I can't see a legitimate reason why Clemson doesn't score themselves on offense. Uh, you know, the offensive line is playing better. Florida State's defensive line is pretty good, but DJ is playing great. Uh, I'm going to bet Florida State. I'm going to be there with you. And I'm going to feel like a fool if it doesn't cover. But I, I'm with you. Welcome aboard, slugger.
0: Love it. Uh, throw it up to Johnny Wilson every ply, and we win. All right, it's time to take out the trash. Oof. Smell it, smell it, smell it.
1: It's the smell. It's quite
0: pungent. Dude, Plug your nose. It stinks. This is your Stink of the Week. All right, uh, stinks of the week. I got four of them here. I'll go through about a minute each. You tell me if uh, you agree or disagree. All right, let's start. UMass, baby. Repping UMass. UMass plus 17 at home against Buffalo. It's a terrible spot for Buffalo. Buffalo's fourth road game in seven weeks. They just won three MAC games, including one lucky one uh, against Miami. They played two backup quarterbacks. And they have Toledo on deck. I mean, and they're going to UMass in between sleepy sleepy spot uh and look i think this is the top of the value on, on buffalo uh the market value and umass has been a little they still can't complete a forward pass but they've been a little feistier under don brown they're more competitive this year and uh, since 2005 teams on a current straight up and against the spread winning streak of at least three games which buffalo is on favored by 17 or more out of conference are 20 42 and three against the spread 32 percent Failing the cover by over a field goal per game. I think this line should be like 13, 14. Mm-hmm. I think UMass will be feisty. Flat, flat city for Buffalo. Minute men, baby. God, I guess I should put the play because once
1: everybody follows on the app sees this play come through, it's just the Twitter is going to explode. All right. Why are we backing UMass? Yes, we. It's we. Yes. I agree. I'm there with you. you say, why are we backing UMass? Well, first off, Stuck's right. The number should be 14. It shouldn't be 17. Uh, and if you look at Buffalo, where do they struggle? Dead last against Rush Explosiveness. UMass is actually 50th. I mean, they have no success. That's all they can do. They don't have first downs. They just have explosive runs. And he's right about Don Brown. I mean, look at this. 60th in tackling. That is amazing for UMass. 49th in defensive finishing drives. That is amazing for UMass. These are great numbers. So, yes, it's too high. I'm going to play it. Expect one or two UMass explosive runs to be scores and to get us a cover.
0: All right, next one uh, is, I don't even want to say it. We're back on our bullshit, baby. Charlotte plus 24
1: against UAB. You're
0: crazy. Just too high for me, and uh, Chris Reynolds is playing. They're off of a bye. The problem is, Ah. Uh, UAB, Dwayne McBride might run for 700 yards is my fear Um, because Charlotte can't tackle. It's too many points. I think this is the last time we're going to the dance with the 49ers if they don't cover. I assume you're just going to tell me I'm nuts for this one.
1: You're crazy. Don't, don't do it. Hey, just, just let me plead with you. Don't do it.
0: I've already done it. Oh, my gosh. I've already done it. I've already dealt with the Twitter backlash. All right. All right. Um, I mean, you're on. I mean,
1: Sunday morning, you wake up and we start recording the pod. I, I'm not going to yeah. say anything.
0: It's all you. You got to yeah. answer. You got to well, answer. Trust me. You won't have to say anything. The, the <laughs> people on the voicemail will. Next one. I mean, I knew that I was going to get no love. Uh, <laughs> next one. Cal at Colorado. I haven't played this one yet. Thinking about Colorado plus 15 and a half. They're both off of a buy. Cal is Oregon on deck. Now they're going to like winless. Colorado hasn't covered yet. Their offense has been a little better with Ellen McCown. I mean, they couldn't even throw it at all with their past two quarterbacks. Now you get him two weeks with a new staff, you know, getting more reps with the ones. They're able to, like, actually move the ball a little bit. Their defense has been so, so, so bad. They have a bunch of freshman D-backs. You hope that, you know, you assume they they get better as the year goes on, they're going to simplify the defense with the new coordinators because their linebackers shouldn't be this bad. And, you know, Cal has been very inconsistent this year. And one thing that we've seen from teams this year constantly is when they fire their coach, there's this big uptick in morale. And why do I think Colorado might have, you know, this might be a positive morale boost? The transfer portal window just opened. Zero people left. So they went and talked with every player on the team. They all decided to stay. That has to be some kind of good sign. Yeah, I I want to do it. I'm scared. But. I wouldn't even be shocked. I mean, look, Georgia Tech won as, what, three touchdown underdogs and they're firing their coach at Pitt. We saw Arizona State as two touchdown underdogs beat Washington. Like, if Colorado wins this game, I won't be that shocked. I but Because, look, Georgia Tech was a corpse. Arizona State was a corpse. Fire the coach, Frankenstein mode, and then you win a game. Maybe I'll throw Colorado on the round robin. Not Now I'm talking crazy in the dumpster. But uh, Colorado over two touchdowns. It's tempting me. Should I dive in the dumpster or no? Who's the interim head coach? I know. I hate him, but he's not the coordinator. Uh,
1: (laughs) What do you mean he's (laughs) not the coordinator? He's calling offensive plays. All right, listen. All right, I have to admit the numbers should be 14, not 15 and a half, not 15. It's not enough for me. All right? I understand that Cal covering a spread that big is near impossible. Going to altitude, uh, I I get it, but I am not shedding – a penny of my money on Mike Sanford jr. Calling plays or being an interim head coach. I don't care that you just put his name into Google and it says he's fired up. He's full of energy. I don't care. You're a terrible coach. So you're on your own on this one. I will admit there is value in the number, but I
0: not enough for me to join you. I'm probably doing it. Uh, And then lastly, God, I didn't think I was going to bet this team all year. After what they, I I think I only bet them against Minnesota, and they got destroyed. Michigan State, yes, I'm including Michigan State in the dumpster. Four straight losses, four straight failed covers. They are now catching over a touchdown at home against Graham Mertz. That's crazy to me. Um, Yeah, I don't know. I think this number is out of whack. Michigan State also could be getting if they're during this four game losing streak. They haven't had their. Star safety, Xavier Henderson, who dressed and went through warm-ups last week, didn't play. And their star defensive tackle, Slade, who dressed and went through warm-ups last week. Good chance they get both of them back this week. Michigan, Even without them, Michigan State's run defense has been good. That's, that's what Wisconsin wants to do. Now, I know Mertz went nuts last week and threw for five touchdowns. I think I'm going to pay to make him prove it to me that he'll do it again on the road. Michigan State, this is like Tucker's old team. It's homecoming. I think they'll be fired up. They need this game pretty much to go to a bowl. I don't think they're going to lie down. If they lose this game, they might. I think this is the time to potentially buy Michigan State, who's been a dumpster fire to back. You agree or disagree? No,
1: I'm playing. I'm going to play Michigan State. I'm just, you know, wondering how far this number is going to go before it gets some buyback. Today there was buyback uh, on the number, you know, above seven. Yeah, you're going to have to play this. The world is aware of what Wisconsin is doing under new management, and that has put some inflation in a number that should be about four and a half. So above a touchdown, you're going to get a Mel Tucker team where Mel Tucker is breathing fire, saying he's prepared for this game. It's homecoming. They're only focused on this one and not in the past. Uh, You know, not going to get into coach speak or anything, but the number is above a touchdown has a lot of value on Michigan State. Who's had injuries in the secondary? Uh, You know, know, the whole, you know, Reed not traveling to Washington. It's just been a snowball effect of ineffectiveness and injuries. And it looks like – Some of those things are getting alleviated this week and the market is heavily oversaturated with Wisconsin money for the first time in a long time. So yeah, I'm with you. I'm going to be playing Michigan state. All
0: right. Good stuff there. Let's move on. Let's go three and out. One, Let's make it a quick three and out. All right. First down favorite bet. I was going to go with Auburn who I really do like, so I'll throw them out there, catching over two touchdowns. Uh, I think this line is super inflated. I still have questions about the Ole Miss offense. I think Auburn will be able to run the ball. Uh, I think catching over two touchdowns here is very generous on Auburn, who is uh, still fighting, at least, on a weekly basis. So I, I do like Auburn. I'll also throw out Kent State. I like them catching seven 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 and a half, which is where the line is now. Against Toledo, now I'm taking a leap of faith here. I, I'm going to write this game up, but Toledo's played nobody, nobody, except Ohio State, and they gave up 80. They're, you know, they lost to San Diego State by basically the same score that Hawaii did at San Diego State. Their schedule is outside the top 130. Meanwhile, Kent State's in the top 30. They've played a brutal schedule, and I was impressed with their defense against, like, Georgia, and they were move, able to move the ball. Washington. Oklahoma held them scores when they were at full strength. Kent State's numbers are very deflated. There's, I still have questions about the Toledo secondary, their wide receiver room. I, I think these two teams are closer than the market thinks, and how, and the statistical profiles would lend you to believe. I'm so taking a leap of faith here based on what I saw from Kent State and flashes against power five teams, which you rarely see with these MAC teams. So, yeah, I'm, I'm taking over a touchdown with Kent State. This is just Toledo. Once you start by believing in them too, they always just flop um, in recent seasons. So, yeah, I, I'll 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 go with Auburn and an honorable mention of Kent State. Where are you going? I'm gonna go with Arizona.
1: Spread is just too high, uh, a little bit too high. Uh, it's a number that you know should be uh, around 14, not at 14 and a half. I know it's come back down and it's kind of settled there. But why are we trusting the Washington defense against an Arizona offense that passes all the time, 60% passing rate? Uh, When you look at the Washington defense, they have been terrible against the pass, better against the run, not great, but we're still talking like 88th and defensive passing success rate, 85th in coverage. That's below FBS average. Arizona is going to be able to throw on that all day. That's really what their forte has been. They have not been bad on offense whatsoever. Uh, And they have a major advantage in scoring opportunities because Washington is 112th and defensive finishing drives. They allow everybody to score a touchdown. And then when you flip to the other side of the ball, there's not a lot that Arizona can do defensively, but I expect them to be able to trade scores here. Uh, Washington, probably not the game on their schedule uh, that they're really uh, looking forward to. They got bigger fish to fry coming up down. So, uh, Arizona here, I think, is going to surprise with explosive plays. The passing game is going to keep going. They're not going to see much of a pass rush. And Washington's let it, allowing a lot of teams to score once drives get past the 40. So, give me Arizona greater than two touchdowns 14 and a half would be great if you got to get 14 that's
0: good too all right let's move on to second down favorite favorite uh i'll kick things off i'm going uh oklahoma i think dylan gabriel's back this week Jalen daniels is not for kansas and i think this is the time to buy oklahoma oklahoma team that was a 38 point favorite at kansas last year they're now under 10 and I think without Daniels and that dynamic, look, Bean came in, did a great job just slinging it all over, but you got to remember the Kansas defense is still dreadful. And with Gabriel in a just, they've lost three straight in blowout fashion, in embarrassing fashion. If they can punish an opponent and run it up, they're going to do it. And I think this is the spot after Kansas's undefeated streak ended. I, I think this is the spot to buy Oklahoma and to sell Kansas with Gabriel versus Bean. Maybe I'm crazy, but uh, I'm b- I'm back in Oklahoma minus nine. Well, we've been looking at it for a
1: couple of weeks, right? Kansas, the more you get them on tape and you see the motion, the defense is playing, you know, uh, I think this magical run by Kansas, I'm not going to say it's going to come crashing down, but there's not going to be as good as it was a couple weeks ago. So I agree with you there. I'm going to go Notre Dame uh, right now. minus. Seven, there was a 16 and a half on the board. It's gone. So I better fire it in on seventeen. Uh, before it gets higher, going up against Stanford. Stanford (laughs) somehow found a way to not win that game, but got, uh, you know, Stucky to uh, cash at the window. There's some serious issues on both sides of the ball here in this matchup against Notre Dame. Uh, Notre Dame defensively, uh, from a passing success rate perspective, they're 21st in the nation. That's going to be able to shut down what Tanner McKee is doing. Uh, And Stanford is still 123rd in Havoc allowed. That offense is a walking turnover. And when you go to the other side, That Stanford defense is in for a punishing, punishing day. Uh, Notre Dame, 60% rush rate. They're 17th in line yards. Who is dead last in line yards and all of college football and defense? Stanford. Stanford. That is a really bad matchup. 130th in stuff rate. They're not going to be able to stop them behind the line of scrimmage, at the line of scrimmage, two yards past the line of scrimmage. Notre Dame is going to run all day. And if they have to pass, they're going to have success with that too. Uh, I think – this could be a route.
0: Yeah. Well, speaking of Stanford not giving up a Hail Mary to lose last week, that was my line Underdog, which of course lost in the last second. Where is this team's That's... head, by the way? I mean, like,
1: really, like, oh man, we lost that. And now we got to go across country and listen to that Catholic band play all day. I, 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 where is this team, like, mentally? Is everybody checked out?
0: Could be. Um, all right. So let's move on. Hopefully, you have some better luck with the Moneyline Underdogs than Stanford gave us last week. Turning good weekends into great weekends. It's time for the Moneyline Parlay. Uh, I'm going to go with a short one here. I'm going to go with LSU uh, at Florida. I think this is a good ba- bounce back spot for LSU. I was not impressed. But by the way, Oklahoma State was the luckiest win. You know, it was the second luckiest was Florida. They should have lost that game. They got a pick six early. Missouri was moving the ball. And I was on Florida is moving the ball up and down the field. I I am not impressed with this Florida defense, especially the run defense, which is just dreadful. That should set up well for LSU. LSU can lean on their ground game here, should be able to move the ball up and down the field. I assume they'll have a more buttoned-up game plan to contain Anthony Richardson's explosiveness, still having accuracy issues. Um, Yeah, I just was not impressed with Florida last week, and – Hopefully LSU doesn't have a million special teams miscues, which we saw last week. But, uh, yeah, I I think this is a good matchup for LSU. I know that they might have some offensive linemen out, which is worth watching. But Florida's rush defense is outside the top 100 in both EPA per rush and rush success rate. LSU, top 25 in both categories. So last week, can't run the ball against Tennessee. This week, should be able to run the ball. And I think that should open up some other things. And uh, for what it's worth, following a straight-up loss, Brian Kelly is 25 and 16 against the spread, including 14 and six, 70% as an underdog or favorite of a field goal or less, covering by about six points per game. So uh, I'm gonna go with the small road dog in uh LSU. Yeah, I'm gonna go to the
1: Mac again. Uh, Mac, I was on Miami of Ohio last week, got to watch a lot of Avian Smith playing for Miami of Ohio. He has been great in the absence of of Gabbert after the injury but the problem is is he's not been on tape for a couple of games that's perfectly enough for defenses to be able to adjust pile up in the box and stop that run but really this handicap comes down for Bowling Green at plus 7 is about how often they throw the ball they throw the ball more than almost any other mac team and that's behind Matt McDonald who's having a lot of success throwing the ball at least against lesser competition you kind of take their season stats and throw them out but Miami of Ohio is a great rush defense in terms of the Mac. They are not against the pass whatsoever. They are absolutely getting torched. Uh, their coverage is outside the top 100. They have no pass rush whatsoever. They have no havoc whatsoever. That's going to allow Matt McDonald to sit back, pick them apart. And I expect them at home in a big spot after Miami of Ohio is getting a little inflated after a couple of wins as underdogs. Uh, Bowling Green's going to be able to pick them off here with Matt McDonald and how many times they throw because that is certainly – the weakness of the Red Hawks.
0: Yeah. do a great Good spot there. All right. Good stuff. Colin, thanks for joining me as always. I think we covered about 25 games. Good timing this week. We got through a ton. Hopefully we can win some money this weekend and keep it rolling. Appreciate all of you for listening. Appreciate uh, producer Matt Mitchell on all of our audio and video people on the back end. Make sure you subscribe, unsubscribe, subscribe, leave a review, five-star review. We'll do giveaways. Producer, if you have any, throw out some now.
1: Hey, thanks, Duck. This week's winners are D T underscore the handicapper, J dollar sign dollar sign dollar sign dollar sign dollar signed forty four forty four. Wow, these fucking names, Jesus. S T T S seven, and finally Jalen for Heisman for his review. Quote: I'm really just leaving this rating for the caller who called Brett McMurphy an erection. Thanks for the reviews. Reach out to me at podcasts at actionnetwork.com to claim your prize. Thanks for listening. Don't bet Charlotte.
0: Don't forget about the voicemail this week on 959-BAD-BEAT. Caller of the Week will we get a cash prize. I'll I'll name that winner on our Monday morning recap episode. Big Bets on Campus Live, 1030 a.m. Eastern. We'll tweet out that link. Myself, Colin, and Brett McMurphy will go over the card. It's a glorious card. I can't wait for it. I hope that you're as excited as we are and we can enjoy the day and win some money. Uh, Make sure you check out the group of five guys who do a great job. Their episode came out yesterday. Action Network app for all of our bets. Thanks for listening as always. Let's have a weekend. We'll catch you all later. Cheers. Peace out.